This is Dave LaGreca of Busted Open, and I know two extremely passionate fans about AEW, Paul Zartman and Tanner Lee. That's right, Paul and Tanner. I love what they bring to the table on the Kicking Out Podcast. That's right, the Kicking Out Podcast with Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman. Are you listening to me? If you want the latest on AEW and you're an AEW fan and you want to get the scoop, you listen to Paul and Tanner right now on all podcast forums. I'm talking, you go to the podcast store, you lay down your money, and you buy the Kicking Out podcast. You do it now. If you love AEW, you'll love Tanner and Paul. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. Another brand new episode of the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, along with my co-host, Paul Zartman. We might be in different locations recording tonight than our usual spots, but we're here. We're ready to talk AEW. We're ready to talk BTE. We're ready to talk Dynamite. A little bit of everything. Paul, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm okay. Uh, it, it's cold again. <laughs> I thought we were going to stay warm, but it got cold again. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I mowed tonight with and, and, and kind of a little chilly, wore some extra layers, but but we got it done. So it couldn't I wait another day. It, I, I couldn't wait another day. Let's put it that way. So yeah. But um, before we went on the air, you wanted to kind of address something to everybody: why we follow and co- cover all elite wrestling compared to maybe another uh, company. Yes, I did. Um, as we saw last week, uh, several names were released from WWE once again this year. Um, and Mickey James posted on Twitter today that she received her care package from the WWE, which was uh, two big black glad trash bags with uh, a piece of green tape on it with her name written on it. I wish I could say I was surprised at this point, but yeah, we've heard the stories over the years. Um, it's going to yeah. be interesting to see. We, and we, we touched on it last week of all the release talents from the WWE where we think they could end up or if they might come to AEW come July 14th will be the date we start seeing people pop up um, throughout different promotions. And speaking of July, real quick, before we dive into being the elite, yeah, uh, JR kind of, I don't want to say he spilled the beans, but he first first time I've heard of a date or a, a month date, I guess. He said on the latest Grilling JR podcast that it looks like, from what he's been told, they're going to try to hit the road, AEW speaking, hit the road again uh, in uh, early July. I'm excited for that. Um, you sent me the information and I text back, you know, yes, I'm ready to go to another show. And I know many of fans are. Yes. Um Hopefully everything stays, you know, doesn't get worse and there's no setbacks right. and they don't have to push it back. Hopefully they can do this safely. I did see MLW, a major league wrestling who just got a TV contract with Vice TV, which is a pretty big deal for them. Good mm-hmm. for Court Bauer and good for pro wrestling, really. They're going to go on the road in July, I think July 10th in Philadelphia. Okay. So it seems like July is kind of the target date for a lot of companies. I know WWE is hoping to do SummerSlam in front of fans. That's in August. 
I read today they're thinking about Texas or Phoenix, Arizona, possibly outdoors at a big stadium. So we will see. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, the companies that are going on the road starting July, if they try to hit outdoor venues for a little while before going indoors, or if they just go straight indoors with like half or three-fourths capacity instead of 100. I I don't know. It's it's kind of with everything. We don't know what it's going to look like in July. Right. And we'll find out. I think it's uh, great because if some of these stars that were released last week, their contract, their 90 day no compete is up mid July. If everybody's traveling again, they get to get back on the road in a new company, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we'll see. Well, that's something we'll keep tabs on. Uh, we do know double or nothing next month on uh, May 30th. We're almost only a month away is yeah. going to be a daily's place, but hopefully that's the last, um, big pay-per-view that's at Daly's place, um, at least for, for a while. I mean, it'd be right. cool if they went back there in the future with a full crowd. That'd be cool. But. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, let's get right into being the elite, shall we? Let's this do week it. was episode 252, The Forbidden Dior. Jordan yeah. Dior's, man. They're, uh, <laughs> even if everybody, all the, all the wrestling fans or BTE fans weren't aware of Jordan Dior's, well, they have been, uh, been educated about him in the last month or so by the young bucks yeah. and scorpio sky yeah i had no clue what they were so i was nice to learn something new yeah and uh bt this week kicks off with the young bucks showing off the, the ring gear from last week's dynamite um both of them are saying they feel like uh, twenty five thousand dollars between the two of them between their their shoes and their ring gear Matt says he does feel a bit bad about ruining his Dior sneakers, though, by wearing them in the match. But he said he's got a low pair at home that um, he can wear. At least he's still got a pair. <laughs> I yep. mean, I, I'm not going to have these things anytime, uh, I think, in the near future with the cost <laughs> of them. But I don't you think <laughs> you, me, or a lot of our viewers and listeners are going to. They are stupid expensive on the market. Yeah. That's why a lot of people were ticked off with uh, the Unbucks wearing them and posing them and creasing them yep. and all that stuff. So all the sneaker heads. Hey, it's ultimate ultimate heel move. It, that's exactly what it was. Uh, we then see clips from last week's Dynamite, uh, the match between the Unbucks and uh, the Death Triangle of, of Pac and Ray Phoenix. Uh, we then see from last week's show, we see Alex Marvez asking Hangman Page about the Unbucks, but Page instead talks about John Silver and heads off. Dark Order is apparently still waiting for the food for the for the Southwest <laughs> Egg Rolls. Colt Cabana texts uh, Hangman Page to bring the spring rolls. Uh, the group bathers for a bit and finally realizes Page might not be coming back. Colt Cabana then decides to order up, um, what was it, 50 pounds of meat for the group, and then they celebrate with yeah. a meat champ. Yep. And uh, my favorite part was Colt saying, don't worry, Daddy's got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then we see Brandon Cutler going in to check on Chris Statlander at a photo shoot. Um, she chokes him Darth Vader style using the force. He wakes up and sees the best friends in Orange Cassidy standing over him. The group is finally ready to kill him. That's something they've previously failed to do. Throwback. And, 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 and it was portrayed over many, many episodes of being the elite. Uh, he throws that, uh, he throws out the idea of doing a mailbag and the group seems to be cool with that. First BT mailbag we've gotten quite some time. Absolutely. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Uh, I miss the mailbag. Yeah, I I had honestly kind of forgot all about it. Me too, until they said it. And I was like, the moment that, you know, the whole BTE mailbag, I was like, oh, I missed this. Yep. <laughs> uh, then the best friends, Orange Cassie and Chris Statlander, all do the BTE mailbag. Uh, first question is why best friends haven't been on BTE. 
Trent says, Hey, look around why, why he, uh, it cracks up. Um, Chuck Taylor, Chuck starts up with the next question. Then Trent says they weren't around because he's been hurt. Trent noticed, noted he wanted to have a big return. So he didn't want to be seen every week on BTE. They answer questions about uh, what country they'd like to wrestle in. And if they uh, like unfrosted or frosted pop tarts. How about what say you, Paul? Frosted or unfrosted pop tarts? Frosted. Absolutely. I'm not a fan of the unfrosted. <laughs> what uh what's yeah. your favorite flavor of Pop Tart? Um torn between fudge and strawberry. Those are both good. I like cookies and cream. Um also like brown sugar. I like a lot of Pop Tarts. Uh, it's kind of my <laughs> go-to in the morning. But if I eat too many of the same kind for a while, I get tired and then I have to switch kinds. Yep, absolutely can't have the same thing too many times in a row. But it's and s'mores is another good one. Um, anything chocolatey, I I like when it comes to pop tarts. But strawberries a solid solid pick as well. So uh, we then see Ryzen still dealing with the effects of the taking too many blue chews. He runs through the hallway trying to figure out what to do next, and he gets reactions from JD Drake and Tay Conte among others. So pretty funny. Yeah, it was a nice little segment. Um, Nice way to incorporate uh, the the Good Brothers segment without having the Good Brothers mm. do that segment. And it was just funny seeing a heel like him who plays a demonic character apologizing to everybody and trying <laughs> to be so nice when he's running through the hallway. It's not what it looks like. Well, I mean, it is, but <laughs> it it's is not. But... <laughs> yeah. uh, we then see the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega doing a meet and greet at the um, live event. Um they uh, say it's the first one they've done in a long time. Omega jokes about how it's funny. They're doing a meet and greet now that they don't care about the fans because they're bad guys. Clips are shown of their match from the non-televised event, and they lost that match, by the way. Yes, they did. Uh, it was weird. I saw uh, something where they were credited as winning that match, and I was like, uh, no, they didn't. Nakazawa yeah. took the pin. Yeah, which out of all the guys on that team, He's the one yeah. that should have taken it. So, Absolutely. Then we see back backstage, we see the Young Bucks uh, checking out their ring gear. Color walks into the room and says uh, they've been avoiding him all week. Color says they look completely different than last week, but Matt and Nick disagree. Color asked him if, if they saw his dark match against Penta, and they said they didn't. And he said he got all bloodied up from the attack by the Death Triangle. He says he has a broken nose and his audible has been blown out. Young Bucks don't care. Uh, Color's out. Four to six months, according to the doctor. Matt says Cutler's contract expiring soon unless they decide to roll it over. Cutler says him being out for so long, he's going to have to do a bunch of odd jobs for them. They list off a bunch of stuff, but Cutler responds. He already does most of that. <laughs> um, they said, we're going to find more odd jobs. Uh, the Unbucks said that, of course. Um, Cutler doesn't seem to appreciate how the Unbucks are treating him, but they remind Cutler he's the one who said Don Callis was right about them not being the same these days. And they make fun of them some more as BT comes to a close. Yeah. Um, not sure with the whole uh, Justin Timberlake being <laughs> brought into that. That that didn't seem to fit too well. Um, but overall, it was a really good segment for them to be heels and poke fun at Cutler, which they all do because they're good friends. It was nice. The interesting thing to me about this whole heel turn of the box is it was – you know, teased for weeks. They were in between. You know, they're kind of tweeners. And even when they attacked Moxley, they looked like they felt remorseful. And then last week, all of a sudden, they're just full blown heels. It was kind of like, I I kind of wish if they could go back with the Moxley attack, if they would have done it without any remorse. Just kind of well, like this was the plan all along. But I think um, 
last week's BTE plays into that, you know, where we see Kenny talking to him and then they cut up or cut off the, the little frilly tassels off of their ring gear. I think that was the full transition for getting the remorse and just becoming who they need to be. Yeah. I think one thing AEW is getting better at is they still realize that a lot of the fans don't watch both being the elite and dynamite. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a good chunk that do the diehards like yourself and me and myself, but uh, there is a, a bunch I just watch on TNT every Wednesday as well. Yep. So, um, yeah. But overall, do you like this episode of Being the Elite? Yeah, I like the new ending a lot. Um, they even took the fact that they're heels into the ending of Being the Elite, which was uh, interesting. You know, we've for months and probably about a year now the end of being the elite, you know, Nick doesn't sing. And then all of a sudden he's like, Oh yeah, well we're here now. I might as well do it. Yeah. So it was nice. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I almost, when, once it gets to the end there, I almost click away every time just cause it's the same thing over and over again. And this week I just happened to stay on. I'm like, Oh, it's different. So yeah. Yeah. And they even, uh, somebody found a lady on Twitter that makes those for them. So oh. pretty neat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty cool, cool skill to have. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into last night's last night's AEW Dynamite. Uh, cracked over a million viewers again in the ratings, down a little bit from last week, but uh, still a very solid number. Um, I don't know what went into that last night. It's hard telling, but still cracking uh, cracking a million um, is always good. So. They're unopposed, of course, and uh, Di- or um, NXT's unopposed on Tuesdays. Their ratings yep. are going up. I don't think that's a coincidence. No, uh, I think it's been good for both brands, honestly. Um, I never wish harm to either company, and I'm glad that they're getting the views that they deserve. Yep, it's good for professional wrestling overall. So. Uh, Knight kicked off with uh, Ricky Starks, who was accompanied to the ring by Hook against Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Adam Page is currently ranked number one in the rankings in AEW, and then um, Ricky Starks had quite of a, a, a win streak going himself. Taz is out there on commentary, like he is always when a match features a member of Team Taz. Um, kind of scary spot midway through this match where Hainman was yeah. looking for a released German suplex, and Ricky Stark somehow landed, in, in, and try to visualize this, folks, on, on his neck and on his feet. Yeah. But he looked like he avoided injury, even though he was kind of favoring one leg over the other. They Supposedly, all the media outlets I've read today said he's okay. So Yeah. Um, that was a scary-looking bomb, though. That was, it uh, was. It was. It was. Um I had to go back and rewatch the match because, again, I don't know what it is with Hangman Adam Page's matches. I always seem to need to go to the bathroom when they start. And I love Hangman, so I don't know why this is. Because he likes um, drinking, and so yeah. it just flows right through you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I missed part of it. Um, and I told you it was the first week that this happened that he didn't end the match while I was in the bathroom, so I was appreciative for that. But, uh Yeah. Ricky hit, and I, I'm surprised they didn't throw up the X there at one point. Yeah, it just looked really bad. Um, yeah, glad he's okay because that could have been absolutely pretty scary. Um, good, good opening match for the show. Two guys who are going to be two of the future stars and in, in AEW for many years to come. 
at least in my opinion. Uh, towards the end of the match, we had a couple counters. Uh, Adam Page tries to go for the dead eye, but he doesn't doesn't hit it. Uh, he is able to flip Starks into a submission, though, and he's choking Starks and picking at his bad ankle at the same time, and Starks taps out. So I think, at least in my recollection, that's the first time Hangman's made somebody tap out. Yeah, um, I think I, as far as I can remember, it is. Um, without going back and watching every single one of his matches, uh, to my knowledge, first submission, which was nice to see, and I wouldn't mind seeing him do more submission endings in the future. No, absolutely. Post-match, we see Taz um, get on the mic, and he tells Hangman that he got just got lucky and he needs to watch his back, and literally watch his back. He says, Hook's comes from the hook comes from behind with a chop block and a bunch of kicks Starks tries to help uh page boots hook away and then a uh, brian cage heads into the rain goes to hit the uh a power bomb i assume but the dark order comes in and chases out the group um what would you would you take away from this brian cage you know for weeks looked like he was gonna maybe split and then last night he looked to be back on the same page as team taz um, I think he's still a little torn, honestly. Uh, the way he came out was a little bit different. Um, he didn't come out like the rest of them do when they're going to attack somebody. If Cage was in a match, uh, they'd all come running out as soon as he needed help. But Cage just kind of sauntered out there and got into the ring. And at first, I wasn't 100% convinced he wasn't going to hit Ricky. But, uh, he went after Hangman, and I, I do. I still think he's torn. I got some more uh, thoughts on Team Taz. I'll <laughs> discuss later when we talk about Powerhouse Hobbs versus Christian Cage. Uh, we then see the Elite showing up in their own private trailer. And uh, Brandon Cullors filming them as they go in. So they got their own personal cameraman now. Yep. And uh, I always notice the little details. Um I don't know if you caught I you didn't catch Hangman's little uh thing above his name plate, but we won't get into that one. But um the mask that Cutler wore for his injury reminded me a lot of the mask Cody wore in WWE when yeah. he had his facial injury. Yeah, it's a standard ugly looking uh mask that you wear for a broken nose, pretty much. They're not yeah, very cool looking. I know, but I mean it was for him to be on BTE with out it and then on dynamite with it. I, I think it's something he's going to be wearing for the next couple months, uh, or at least till he gets the surgery. Cause I, I mean, I, I think that's a, it's not a uh, working injury. I mean, I think he literally broke his nose and his orbital bone. So, okay. Um, I believe I could be wrong, but he got pretty busted up. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wonder know. if they'll uh, turn it into what Cody did when he had to wear his in WWE, <laughs> make it his whole, you know, gimmick. They might. Um, oh, I can't see Cutler being a heel, though. Mm, no. Maybe put a <laughs> twist on it and make it as a face yeah. ordeal. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how long he stays as their personal cameraman, too. <laughs> so, uh, we then see backstage, we see Penta uh, sending a message to the best friends. Alex Abrahantes translates message and says the best friend should have never restarted their issues with the death triangle. Yeah. We then see uh, Penta El Zero Miedo versus Trent as uh, <laughs> Justin <laughs> Roberts announced him. I thought that was a nice little uh, I kind of popped for that last night. Yeah. Um, 
And Paul, why don't you explain to everybody that hasn't listened to the AEW Unrestricted podcast why Trent has the question mark after his name? Because that's something he hasn't always had. Uh, you're making me think back to the Unrestricted podcast. Um, I haven't listened to it, so you told me last night that that he explained. So now I'm putting you on the explain, spot. Uh, but I gotta I gotta recall it now. Um, basically, it started out. I think he wrote his name on something and put a question mark behind it just to be silly or something like that. And it just sort of stuck, but people were taking his stuff. So he started writing his name on it. And then the question mark came in somewhere. So if you haven't listened to the unrestricted podcast with the best friends, go do so. (laughs) And listen to the one that came out today with Christian cage. Um, Yes. Pretty much the same interview he's done on multiple podcasts now since he joined AEW, but uh, still really good. Still really good. So Any interview with Christian Cage is a good interview. You're right. You're right. So this match was pretty good. A lot of action. Um, towards the end of the match, both guys are on the apron. Penta tries for a package pile driver, but doesn't get it. They're, they trade some shots back and forth. Trent hits a uh, pile driver on Penta, and then he, then he uh, hits him with a spear. Then Alex Abrahantes gets on the mic, says, Pinta says, you suck, your friends suck, and you know who sucks the most? Your mama. And I laughed out loud. And yes. then I'm like, how dare you say that about Sue? And the announcers got right. all heated about Sue. Um, <laughs> then uh, uh, Trent runs Alex off, and he gets a chair. Then um, Alex rolls in the ring. Orange Cassie rolls in the ring. Orange Cassie's going to put his hands in his pockets, but then he eats a super kick by Pinta. The referee's checking on Cassidy. Alex hits Trent with a really good mic shot. I was surprised he did it that smoothly. And then Pinta hits uh, Trent with a package pile driver for the one, two, three. Yeah, you know, throughout this whole match, I wasn't sure who was going to win it. Um, Trent is definitely looking more aggressive than he when he went out with his injury. It's nice to see this aggressive from Trent um, I think that's going to propel the best friends a little further as Chuck was starting to become more aggressive as well um, in his singles action while Trent was out so I think these guys actually have a shot at the titles now in the future yeah I'm, I'm liking uh, Trent's style a lot more right now than I did pre-injury I, I like Penta getting this win though I think the Lucha Bros yeah. are too strong and have honestly racked up more losses already in AEW than they probably should have yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Penta did deserve this win. Uh, Alex made the match great, though. I got to... Oh, he's he he's per- he, he's getting better in his role. I mean, this yep. is a guy who they were using just for, you know, some interviews and some pre-show stuff. And, you know, his main job, he's on QVC a lot. I don't know if you knew that mm-hmm. or not. On the shopping shopping network there. And, uh, but he's uh, he's pretty good at this. He's, he's, he's gone in, you know, two feet in, as they say. So, yeah. Doing a good job. Then we see Jim Ross uh, talking earlier in the day with the Pinnacle about their upcoming Blood and Guts match against the Inner Circle. He brings up Chris Jericho's passionate promo where he talked about the group, especially MJF. MJF says he's been wearing the scarf since he was a kid on the Rosie O'Donnell show. He didn't steal it from Jericho. MJF then says uh, that reminds him it's springtime, so that means it's silk season, and he switches up his scarves that totally send him. A silk scarf and JR even touched the scarf. And I thought MJF would say something about that, but he let it right. go. Uh, we didn't see Wardlow finally speak. I'm like, wow, the guy can actually speak and speak pretty well. Uh, he says Jericho stumbled a bit when he brought up Wardlow because the moment he said his name, Jericho knew he messed up. MJF says that Jericho gets an F about evaluating other wrestlers. He says Jericho wrestles 
um, people the fans already see. And then he says the the reason why they are, they're popular now. MGF uh, mentions Omega, Moxley, um, Orange Cassidy, uh, Hangman, I believe, uh, a couple others. Uh, he says when uh, Jericho was 25, he wasn't doing anything compared to himself. He said he was curtain jerking on um, WCW Worldwide. Uh, MJF says mm-hmm. to leave that stooge Mike Tyson home and let's have the two sides fight each other. MJF continues that Jericho was right that MJF is a mark, but he's a mark for Jericho's spot, and he will take that on May 5th because when you're, when you're in the pinnacle, you're always on top. I thought this was a really good promo. Um, man, I, who, who's the better promo, Eddie Kingston or MJF? Oh, oh, they've got two different styles. That's they not do. fair. I know. That's not fair. Um, I got to roll with MJF, and I like Eddie Kingston on the mic. But, man, when MJF gets on the mic, I got to stop what I'm doing, and I know he's got to bring intensity. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, he delivered a very solid promo last night. He's gotten better. His first couple ones when he came into the company under Cody, they weren't that good. His feud with Cody, he was still getting used to being on the mic, but he is great on the mic now. Ian, I, I kind of wanted to hear Sean Spears and um, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood speak a little bit, but they still came off as big stars because MGF kept talking about this in my family. These are my boys. These are my top guys. So just by the, him saying that about them, it kind of elevated them a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, each of these guys are stars in their own rights. Um, even Wardlow, uh, you know, nobody stopped talking about Wardlow since that steel cage match with Cody. Um, but you know, yeah, uh, this group is doing great for all of them. They all are stars and they're looking more and more like stars each and every week. We didn't see a video package uh, hyping up Hikaru Shida and Teconte's AW Women's World Championship match. Teconte says she's nervous but prepared for the opportunity. Shida basically basically says that Conte may be champion one day but not tonight. Yeah, it was a, a good little package uh, tied in very well to uh, Road to Dynamite with those two, the Road to the Women's Championship match. Yeah, they made this feel like a really big deal. That they did. Um, it felt like a yeah, a big uh, as my dog hawks in the background. Apologize <laughs> everybody about that. Um, the Dark Order heads out with Conte to the stage for support. Of course, um, both Sheeta and Tay Conte bow to each other to start the match. Show show respect for each other. I thought that was pretty cool. Really good match back and forth. A lot of spots. A lot of backbreakers. Um, there was a nasty spot one time where Sheeta hit some sort of I don't even know what you called on the top rope. Um, some witch something or other. Yeah, it was uh, it was nasty looking. The uh, Aubrey Edwards even uh, slid out of the ring to make sure Tay Conte was okay. There was uh, brain busters on the floor. There was running knees. Um, there was a lot going on. Towards the end of the match, um, Tay Conte hit a pump kick and went for the Tay KO. Uh, she hit it, but only got a two count. She had kicked out as a, at a near pinfall. Um, Tay Conte goes for the DDT, but uh, Sheeta blocks that and plants Conte down to the mat with a two count. Uh, both wrestlers traded some big shots. Sheeta then hits a backbreaker and a twisting kick to the face, which they call the Quintana, and that will do it for the one, two, three. 
Post-match, Britt Baker heads out to the stage. She looks up at the rankings, and she moves from the second spot to the first spot. I thought that was pretty cool that they showed that. Yeah. Shida, Shida throws up her kindle, kindle stick at Baker. Baker moves and waves to Sheeta heading towards the back. It uh, was a nice little segment. This whole match and post-match were absolutely great. It did wonders for Sheeta and Tay Conte. Um, it made Britt look even more of a heel than she was. I mean, there's there's nothing that I can say bad about this apart from Sheeta won. <laughs> well, it's definitely we're this solidified it last night. We're gonna get Sheeta versus Britt at double or nothing for the title, which we should. And in the times now, it's time to pull the trigger. She just had a nice long run. It's time to give Britt the championship and let her go for a while. Yep. Um, you know, I was I was sitting there thinking, and with the relationship that Ty has built with negative one, mm-hmm. the fact that he was not there last night was kind of the dead giveaway that she wasn't going to win. I didn't think about it at the time, but as I thought back on that match last night and through today, I was like, you know what? If negative one would have been there, she would have won. Or at least it would have made everybody think that she had a better chance to win, maybe. Right, um, right. Yeah, it's... Uh, one thing AWs, and I don't want this company to turn into, you know, Bell's changing hands every week or anything, but right. we don't see a lot of title changes on Dynamite, but we see a lot of title defenses. So it's yes. getting to the point almost when it does happen, it's really going to shock me. Or mm-hmm. maybe what's, maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. Yeah. We then see uh, some of Miro's best work, I think, that he's done since he's been in the company. He kind of short little um, vignette said, uh, it's been another week and he hasn't seen Kip. Miro says he wants vindication. And anyone who has a championship, he's coming for them. It doesn't matter if AEW put him through a bunch of hoops. It's his destiny to become champion. And they show Kenny and both Darby. I think this is leading to uh, Miro versus Darby at double or nothing. Yep, and uh, Miro will win. If if Darby wins that match, Miro's squashed. Unless they want to get... Miro and Kip, because we're going to see that payoff too. Eventually, he's got to get his hands on Kip and rip him apart. I'm yeah. hoping that comes on a dynamite between now and double or nothing and not a double or nothing, but it wouldn't shock me, to be honest. There's something that I will mention regarding Kip, but I'll wait until we talk about um, next week's upcoming matches before I okay. do that. Okay. Uh, we then see the inner circle heading to the ring to speak with Tony Giovanni. Um, this was interesting. I part of me kind of wishes this would have been pre-taped and the and the pinnacle would have been live, but I get why they did one live, one pre-tape, you know, kind of keeping the groups away from each other until next week. Um I and I will say before I get into this, I enjoyed the pinnacle segment a lot more than this one. I thought this one had some sloppiness to it, but it was live, so a little, a little tougher to do. But Jericho says there's a lot of energy tonight because of the upcoming Blood and Guts match on May 5th. He continues that will be one of the most brutal matches ever seen on TNT. He talks about Mike Tyson knocking out Cash Wheeler and being an honorary member of the inner circle. Uh, Jake Hager says the pinnacle will be sucking out of straw as he throws some straws after they get done uh, with them. Like, that was a weird line. I don't know. Hager, Hager's awful on the mic, in my opinion. He always has been. He, he He's just, always needed not the mouthpiece. His, not his forte. No. Now Santana gets on the mic. And says uh, the, the Pinnacle wants to wrestle the best, but they wait until there's a crew behind them before they actually fight. Where we come from, we call that 
bitch moves. I thought he was awesome on the mic. I'm like, why don't they let him talk more? <laughs> uh, Jericho says MJF talks a lot, but never uh, feels any com- convictions uh, in the in the words he says. He brings up scening show tunes and says he wrote one for MJF. Jericho rattles off a few lines before giving MJF a swirly and how he's a how he's a dipshit pretty much and says it's fun to make jokes. He he you could tell he was trying to make that rhyme up and he just kind of blew it and it was not smooth at all. It was no. funny, but it was like, Oh man, this it is was not good smooth. halfway through. I think he knew the first part. Yep. And then he's like, you know what? I need to keep this going. The fans are loving it. And, and it just spiraled out of control. Um, he says on May 5th, um, there'll be a lesson of violence. Jericho says next week he wants a parlay between the inner circle and pinnacle. Jericho then says he will beat the living hell out of MGF on May 5th, and the inner circle will destroy the pinnacle. Uh, the group then gives the camera the middle finger together as uh, they cut away. Yeah. Um, I think what they're trying to do between these two is just give the leader the microphone, which is why we're seeing MJF talk and Jericho talk. But I want to see, just like you, I want to see these guys develop their mic skills. I want to see what they've got. We heard Wardlow. Wardlow can talk. I want to hear him cut a promo by himself. And you know, one thing I noticed today, and I heard some podcasts talking about it also was, or one thing I noticed last night and heard some podcasts talking about today was, between the two groups, when Jericho comes in with the inner circle, he is part of the inner circle. He wears black like the other guys. His car is black like the other guys when they all rolled up a few weeks ago. MJF, he wore a different color than the other guys last night. Yep, he always does. He stands with Tyson alone last week mm-hmm. without the group. So he still looks like the biggest star. Absolutely. And, and it's all on purpose. And um, Oh, yeah. I just thought that was interesting. I hadn't thought about that until, until I noticed that last night. Yeah, um, it, it kind of goes back to... In my mind, he's the flair of the four horsemen. Yes, absolutely. Because you had all four horsemen, but flair mm-hmm. always stood out. Yep. MJF. He's the future of the company. He's the future oh, of absolutely. professional wrestling. Absolutely. So, um, in it, you know, I, I've heard more people talk about today. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer said it. Blood and Guts, that, that night on May 5th, it's a one-match night. That's crazy. I mean, that's going to be two hours it's going to be great. Here's but. my prediction what they do. I bet the first half is pre-taped segments, interviews, vignettes, highlights, pumping up this match. Then the last hour is the match itself. That's my that, guess. If not, I don't know how you do it. You can't. You do a two-hour match. I mean, we've seen hour matches before. I remember Shawn Michaels oh, yeah. and and John Cena going through an hour match over in England before we in in the war games matches and NXT ones four four, the men's match, the latest one they did that lasted 45 minutes. So you put five on five, it's going to last an hour. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that will be the biggest rating AEW's done to date though. will be on May 5th. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just hope there's something other, even if it's not matches, something, you know, building towards double or nothing or, you know, something not just strictly leading up to that match. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I don't know. I think it's going to be quite a, quite the spectacle. And I don't think they would be doing it this way. If NXT was still on Wednesday nights. 
Absolutely. I think that's the only reason they're doing it right now. But um, I think even – well, I'll, I'll make my prediction next week when we kind of preview blood and guts. But as far as who I think is going to win. But I do think we're going to see – this won't end between the groups. I think we see a lot of the feuds carried to double or nothing. Mm-hmm. I think we'll get FTR versus Proud and Powerful. I don't know about Hager and Warlow. We've seen that once. Yeah, um, it didn't impress me back then. I don't want to see. And it we've again. already seen MGF and Jericho once, even though it was yep. in different circumstances. So maybe Jericho and Spears and Sammy and MGF, but they really got to do something at Blood and Guts to set that up because it would make sense for Spears and Sammy, given the chair shots and the door shots. But, oh, absolutely. I still want to see those two go one on one, whether mm-hmm. it's with this feud or something completely different. I think those two could deliver one heck of a one-on-one match. Yeah, so I, it'll be interesting. I mean, we're almost a month out, double or nothing, and I kind of see a few matches form formulating, but a lot of the card I have no idea right now. No, and I feel that, like that's different than uh, when we've been previously a month out from the other pay-per-views. Yeah, but it also at the same time, it's a nice little bit of a sure. refresher because, I mean, we started building our predictions a month out. Yeah, from the last pay per view, which you won that one, but yeah, you won't have as much time to sit and think about what's going to happen. You're you know, right. You're going to have two weeks to figure out what's going to happen. Yeah, and then we're going to have that uh, casino ladder match that's always unpredictable. Yep. So, I still think uh, this prediction is going to come down to the ladder match again. It might, and you you were good at Revolution, <laughs> but uh, I might have to Luck. go. Assuming there's a mystery entrant, I might have to go with the mystery entrant because uh, Brian Cage was last year. So, as long as uh, they don't do what they've done with the last two ladder matches, oh, you won two weeks. Yeah, later, I hate, I hate that. Build picture. it a little bit. Build it. Mm-hmm. Don't throw them right into it. It just no, absolutely. You know they're not going to win, and it it just cools them off. They're learning as they go, but I hope that's something they oh, learn because yeah. they've done it twice now. So. Uh, we then see backstage uh, segment with Andy Agogo. He's saying he's only here in this dump, referring to America, to make that big money. QT Marshall says he's going to show Billy Gunn how much it's worth being loyal to Cody Rhodes. And, yep, then we get the match between Billy Gunn and QT Marshall. And it, it should be noted, he is Billy Gunn again, not just Billy. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. Last time I knew, WWE had the rights there. I don't know if he's just doing it to do it or if... He's got it back. I I had not read anything before last night that he got the name back, but neither had I. He was uh, Billy at the last dark he was on, so yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't realize, and I know he wrestles a lot on dark and elevation, but I didn't realize he had wrestled nine times in twenty twenty one and was nine and zero going into last night. That's quite a record for a guy in his mid fifties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially uh, being, you know the first promo he cut about being in AEW was, ah, Vince can't fire me. Yeah. But he, <laughs> he might be in his mid-50s, but the guy can still work. And the guy's massive. I mean, for a six-five guy, he looks a lot bigger than that. He's in great shape. Yeah. He throws some of the best working punches in wrestling. I love mm-hmm. watching his punches. He lays them in. I love oh, it. Yeah. yeah. And his style has evolved since he's been in AEW, too. I got to give him props on that he, he's wrestled a lot more than i thought he was going to oh absolutely i thought i thought nine ten matches max he'd be done and he transitioned into a coaching managerial position 
that's not what we saw out of Billy Gunn. He still goes, and I'm sure he'll be in more matches in the near future. Yeah, I thought he was just going to be a trainer when he yeah. came in. But, um, okay match here. It's pretty much what I thought was going to happen. Um, in the middle of the match, uh, we see Billy get attacked from behind, but his sons, Austin and Colton, jump the barricade, and they jump on Comorado and uh, Aaron Solo to stop that. The four guys fight out Daly's place. QT's in the ring as uh, Billy rolls back into the ring after being thrown into the ring post by Camarado when the ref wasn't looking. Um, Marshall throws some shots, uh, but Gunn looks to be getting more annoyed. He's kind of letting him hit a shot, and he just sits there, hit a shot, and he sits there. Then QT hits a pile driver for the two count. Both counter each other's finishers. Uh, Marshall out, goes out to the stage. Uh, Billy follows him. Gun tosses uh, Marshall back into the ring. The referee checks on him. Anthony Agogo runs out and smashes Gun in the midsection with that powerful boxing punch of his. Uh, Marshall gets over to cover Gun, uh, hits the diamond cutter, then covers him. That'll do it for the one, two, three. Post match, uh, Agogo gives Marshall a wooden chair, an old school looking wooden chair. Mm-hmm. He goes to hit Billy, but Dustin Rhodes runs out and smacks Marshall with a bull rope. Uh, Dustin throws a bunch of shots on the corner on Marshall, hits a spinning uh, power slam. A go-go is just standing at ringside, not helping this guy out at all. I thought that was kind of odd. Uh, Dustin gets the chair. A go-go climbs up to the apron, then confronts him. Nick Comoroto tries to attack Dustin from behind. Dustin swings the chair over Comoroto's head, and he just stands there, did nothing to him, didn't phase him. Dustin looks kind of shocked and in fear. QT's group then makes their way to the back as referees came in and and um, held everybody off. Yeah, you know, uh, I texted you that the post-match was just as good as the match, if not better. Better than the match. <laughs> um, again, because, you know, and it's it's nothing against Billy Gunn. It's nothing against QT Marshall. Um, it's just, it wasn't an, an exciting match. It was, but, you, knew, you knew Billy wasn't going to win. Oh, absolutely. You knew something was going to happen. There were... Three versus four, yeah, five. But they're they're definitely making a go-go look as the power, most powerful guy in this. Even though QT is the leader of the group, um, yeah, I'm thinking we're going to see this head to double or nothing, and we're going to get the factory versus um, Nightmare family. family, including Cody. I think Cody. Cody. Will, I mean, it's been nice uh, having him off TV because it's going to make his return special. So I don't know if that's yeah. this week or if it'll be May 12th or what, but it's coming. I don't know. I, don't know. I, uh, I thought at one point they were setting up for this to be Dustin versus QT. Uh, and then Nick got in the ring and well, that just threw that out the window. I want well, to see those two go on one-on-one, even though Dustin's going to get murdered in that match. I, I thought maybe we'd see, maybe we still will before double or nothing. Maybe it is the match they're going for at double or nothing. I'm not sure yet, but it's all, we're all speculating at this point. And that was Dustin versus QT in a bull rope match because he, he didn't bring that bull rope out just to bring it out. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't walk around with that backstage. No. He doesn't carry it in his suitcase everywhere he goes. No. Cause otherwise on Sammy's vlog, he probably would have hit Fuego del Sol with it at some point just to, wake him up correct and, and you know they've had the bunkhouse match he likes doing these old school matches that his dad did or, or created or thought of so i could see that I, I could see that happening yeah i think it'll be good we then um backstage we see the elite hanging out in their private 
trailer with uh, Brandon Cutler filming them, of course, um, like we mentioned earlier. Um, Don Callis said there's never been such a talented group together, putting over everyone in the group. Callis mentions Omega will soon be the Impact World Champion. The only mention of that on the entire show in Rebellions Happen Sunday, title versus title, Rich Swan, the Impact Champion versus Kenny Omega, the AEW Champion. I'm sorry, Paul, but this is driving me nuts. Yeah, um, there was a commercial for it, uh, which was the first time I've seen a commercial for this pay-per-view, and it was for this match. There's been no hype to this on AEW. It's all taking place on Impact, mm-hmm. and I think if Impact would have done something different, um, you know, worked with Tony and said, hey, we're going to have him come attack Kenny, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm sure Tony would have been all for it because then that would have helped build impact because you would have had AEW fans going to get the pay-per-view to see that match. You got to think, yeah, what's the communication going on? Because I think it's been poor on both sides. This whole thing feels like it's just basically at this point uh, uh, was an excuse for Omega to hang out with the Good Brothers and Callis. Um, yeah. Because I got to think Omega, I, assuming – there's not disqualification or something funky happens on something. Kenny's going to win this. There's no way he loses this. They're not going to have him lose to Rich Swan because then Rich Swan's got to show up on Dynamite next week, and he hasn't been on Dynamite at all. You haven't previewed it at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just, uh, I just, it's really bugging me that they didn't mention this at all. Now, um, are you going to watch it? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to pay the $50 for it. I'm not a, I'm not an impact watcher. I just, can't do it without the fans. Going to follow it on Twitter? Yeah, I'll follow on Twitter. I'll follow yeah. on Twitter. We'll, we'll post about it on our social media, the result. So. Yep, yep, which I'm calling now. It's going to be just like you're calling. It's going to be Kenny Omega. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 there's no way this is Rich Swan. If it ends up being Rich Swan, I'm just, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to challenge you for the title. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Matt says, uh, Matt Jackson says they're the reason business went up in Japan and the formulation of all elite wrestling and why a certain t-shirt is a hot seller in America, referring to the bullet club t-shirt. Um, they laugh about John Moxley and Eddie Kingston saying they heard they're coming back tonight. The group says the two should know uh, where they are and come get them. Omega tries to get serious for a minute, but someone's honking a horn a bunch outside and they're getting real annoyed. You knew, you knew what it was going to be. Um, yeah. Omega's getting annoyed and tells the guys to go figure out what's going on. Moxley and Kingston are in a truck and they just drive straight into the trailer. Then Moxley, Moxley uh, marines a pipe with him and smashes the windows in the trailer. Kingston yells, you think this is a game? And Moxley's going, young Jackson boys. Uh, Moxley and Kingston call for them, but nobody's in the trailer now all of a sudden. Kingston's wondering where the Young Bucks sneakers are at. Kingston calls them a bunch of cowards. Uh, and Moxley says, uh, bitches AF, which I thought that was hilarious. And they walk yeah. back to the truck. The little AF was a nice little thing. Uh, a nice little shout out to face bucks when they were Christian mm-hmm. AF because mm-hmm. they couldn't say it because they were faces. Love this tandem of Moxley and, uh, and Kingston. We could get two hours of them just jabbing oh, each other back and forth and I'd be yeah. entertained. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was just pure gold. But what's up with guys just disappearing in AEW? Shaq and now the whole elite. I mean, what? here's what I wish they would have done. And you were just talking about Rich Swan, right? Show them running out of the back of the trailer or something, like right after it happens or something. Rich Swan comes out of nowhere, attacks Kenny. Boom. 
there you go. You get some hype for Sunday. Yeah. I honestly, being the fact that it started when Kenny started talking, I was hoping it was Swan. Honestly. Yeah. I knew it was Mox and Kingston, but I was really hoping it was Swan with them somehow. Um, you know, he was driving or whatever. Because at first, I thought we were going to get one of those cheesy 90s vehicle explosions when, you know, and I'm yeah. like, oh, here we go again. And no, it was just a solid impact. They didn't even jump out right away. It's kind of like, you know, they had to get their bearings together and Moxley forgot the pipe for a second. So it was it was an interesting segment apart from the elite just vanishing into thin air. One thing I wish AW would do more of, and maybe it's because TNT didn't like the surprise of Sting, but that was a person who at the time wasn't on the roster. I wish when they have little segments like this, when it ends up being Moxley and Kingston that drive the truck into the trailer, I wish they wouldn't pre-advertise them being on the show. Yeah. Because you knew they were going to show up soon, and that just made the most sense for them to show up in that segment. Yeah, we were coming close to the, you know, yeah. end of the show. ish or whatever, yeah. It's like, yeah. So that's one thing, you know, like, and when they always, you know, advertise, and I get why they advertise Sting talking to Shivani for the ratings, but I don't think they need to advertise all that ahead of time. Just have it happen on the show. No, I just, I think uh, TNT told Tony no more surprises. I can understand that if it's a talent making its debut, but if it's a talent, it's already on your roster. I mean, but we don't know. We don't know what the conversations are behind. And maybe doors. it's TNT's way of just trying to get more people to tune in. And when you don't have these returns or yep. you know, special yep. guests coming in, those ratings are getting that high. Maybe we lose that stipulation. I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh, well, could be. Could be. But you think we're getting Young Bucks first? Um, Kingston and Mox for the titles at double or nothing. Yeah. I think so too. I think we'll probably get a battle royal at somewhere, and that's how they become number one contenders because they're not in the rankings. That's how mm-hmm. AEW usually likes to do their number one contenders before a pay per view for the tag titles. So I can see that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We then get a powerhouse Haas versus Christian Cage. Um, this match went pretty much how I thought it was going to. Taz was back in commentary, and, and what I mean by that is Powerhouse Hobbs pretty much dominated most of the match until he got a little too greedy and too cocky at the end, and the old vet got him. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, towards the end of the match, um, Christian's able to slip under Hobbs in the corner and get a get a powerbomb on Hobbs. He goes uh, back to the top, hits a frog splash for a two count. Christian charges in, and Hobbs runs over Christian. He then uh, hits a Hip attack in the corner for a two count. Christian looks for a sleeper hold, but Hobbs jams him in the corner and and puts him on his shoulder. Christian's able to get off Hobbs' shoulder and hits a quick kill switch for the one, two, three. So, yeah. um, I thought this match was okay. Yeah, it, it was average. Um, I was surprised that Cage won, honestly. Uh, I told you, I said, I'm a huge Christian fan, but I'm going with Hobbs on this one, and I was wrong. Yeah. Yep. So, but there was a little uh, stare down after the match with Christian and Ricky Starks. If I remember that correctly, I don't have it in my notes. Yep. Yeah, because Ricky came down to check on Hobbs and uh, ended up locking eyes with Christian, and they just stared at each other, and Christian got out of the ring and walked to the back. That would be a good match. It would. It would. Maybe. They're more evenly sized. I think it worked better than, you know, him coming out on top of Hobbs. 
said, Christian usually works pretty good with bigger, bigger guys in matches, it seems like. But um, maybe maybe he gives one to Ricky because I'll tell you, Team Taz for me is not doing it for me anymore. They lose every week. No. Yeah. Uh, they win on elevation and dark, but yeah. then they come to dynamite and lose. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's like, and they're always in big matches with big names. They're in good stories, but when they just keep losing loss after loss, I'm like, I'm not even taking them as a threat anymore. Do you think at some point they blame the management of the team? being Taz? Maybe they um, get a different member come a Samoan member come in July. Never know. I don't know. Never say never. That would be pretty cool. I'd be on board with that, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in ROH, to be honest. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we did see a vignette with Jade Cargill saying every manager is looking to sign her. Mount Hardy said he'd like to sign her for a small fee. Uh, Vicky Guerrero also makes a pitch to Cargill, which was weird because she doesn't really have a stable. No. Um, Jade says she doesn't need a manager, though. She's her own boss. If anybody wants to sign her, they better make her a heck of a deal. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. It was. It was uh, a nice way to say Jade knows she's worth something, and she doesn't need somebody behind her to prove that. She's the Brock Lesnar of the AW Women's Division. That she is. It's a nice little uh, refresher. Somebody mm-hmm. powerful who knows knows their worth. They want. The only thing uh, that would make this great is if she came out and said, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. <laughs> Paul Heyman gal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, my bad. My bad, Jay. <laughs> Don't beat me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. Oh, what? Her beat me up or yes. Heyman walk out? Her, uh, her to beat you up. It'd be three hits. Her <laughs> hit me, me hit the ground, and the ambulance hit Nate. <laughs> <laughs> well said. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> uh, we then saw next week's show. It's going to be the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle Parlay. Hangman Page versus the FTW champion Brian Cage with Taz and Ricky Starks. Interesting matchup there, but once again, I don't see Team Taz getting a win. Uh, Pinta El Zero Mido with Alex Abrahantes versus Orange Cassidy and Trent. That's going to be a tough one to predict. Uh, Chris Statlander with Orange Cassidy versus Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian, and you said you had a a uh, mention about Kip here. If Kip truly does show up with Penelope, Miro will show up. Oh, yeah, it's time. Miro will attack him next week. It's time. Yes. It's time to find him. Then we get the AW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks versus Matt and Mike Seidel in a title eliminator tournament match. Or title title eliminator match, they're calling it. Um, yeah. yeah. The Bucks aren't losing lose. this. I mean, the Seidel is another team that they don't get wins on, on Dynamite. No. So, so I mean, what? If. Sidels lose, they never get to challenge the Bucks for the title. Is That's this what I don't this understand is? when they put these kind of stipulations on it? Like, um, Matt Sidel against Kenny a few weeks ago had this stipulation on it. I don't understand really what it means. I don't either. You know, at, at first I thought, oh, okay, we're getting a tag team title tournament again to determine a number one contender instead of a battle royal or something along those lines. Yep. And then I was like, nah, the Bucks are in it, though. Why Why have the champs in it? So yep. this is just one of those weird stipulations that say, ah, the Seidels are going to lose, and they don't get to challenge the Bucks again. And we're going to get the Nightmare family made up of Billy Gunn, Dustin Rose, and Lee Johnson against the Factory, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo with Anthony Gogo by their side. 
I don't see the Nightmare Family winning this one. No. Um, Lee Johnson has one win on his record. Yeah. Just so he wasn't the worst record in the company. Yep. So. Who is the worst record anymore? Uh, I think it's Nakazawa. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I knew Cutler's, what. Cutler what still Cutler has enough wins, and-, and Peter still has, I think, Cutler and Peter are still tied for wins and losses. So, yeah, Peter's been on the shelf for a while with an injury. Mm-hmm. So, we yeah. then get to the main event of the night, and that was the TNT Championship once again. Main event in the show: Darby Allen uh, defending against Jungle Boy. And this this match just came up late last week. Um, Thanks to Darby Friday or over Twitter. the over the weekend, maybe. Yeah, Darby saying he wanted to challenge one of the top five guys and jungle boy was it another two guys who are futures of the company and the professional wrestling world for sure um sting was out with darby allen luchasaurus was out with jungle boy that was predictable on both sides to make it even um marco was up in the stand somewhere on a bean bag yeah no marco stunt lately with uh jurassic express ever since he showed off his con uh tattoo He tweeted something about uh, it's time for dynamite or something, and he was in the stands on what looked like a beanbag and wearing a Jurassic Express shirt. This was a lot of back and forth in this um, in this match, and then we saw a weird spot with uh, Sting walking over to Luchasaurus to see what was up with Luchasaurus helping Jungle Boy get in the ring, and then they start fighting on the stage, and they slowly like just chillax back to the stage. It was weird. I'm like, what the heck was that? Yeah. It's the weirdest interaction I've seen. I don't know if Luchasaurus was trying to take it easy. You know, him and Sting may not have. I Him and Sting don't have that no, chemistry. It looked terrible. It, um, yeah. I mean, Sting was used to wrestling dinosaurs in his time in TNA. Yeah. <laughs> when he there wrestled Flair and, and Hogan and Mick Foley. But, uh, <laughs> he took on a shark, too, at some point. Yes, everybody took on a shark. Yes, he did. Yes, they did. And Good a old dead shark man. boy. Um, but back in the ring, the two wrestlers, Jungle Boy and Darby Allen, swing away at each other. Jungle Boy hits a big lariat brain buster and an elbow strike to the back of the head for a two count. Jungle Boy lock, locks in a snare trap. Allen almost fades. I thought Jungle Boy was going to get him, but he gets to the bottom rope. Jungle Boy pulls him to the middle, middle of the ring and locks in the surfboard. He puts him in another snare trap. Um, uh, but uh, Darby ends up gouging Jungle Boy's eyes to get out of the lock. Jungle Boy uh, hits some big slaps to the head, looks for a sunset, sunset flip, but Darby counters it with the last supper for the pin and the win. Yeah, uh, I'm really intrigued by some of Darby's move names. Yeah. Like the last supper. The coffin drop. I mean, I know why it's the coffin drop. He looks like he's in a freaking coffin. Code Red stuff. Avalanche or Avalanche yeah. Code Red or something. Yeah. It's just weird names. Yep. And they he's wouldn't work for anybody other than him. He's an odd dude and it fits him perfectly. Yeah. Another good gutsy win by Darby that he pulls it out going, you know. Yeah. The Darby's the only person. Oh, go ahead. It was interesting that this had the TV time remaining and the women's match had a 60-minute time limit. They even commented about that. And I think that's because this is the TNT championship. Yeah. They don't want it to carry over no. past time, anything like that. Well, they're, they're trying to build this 
on par with the world championship and they're doing a pretty good job um putting on i like that i like that we're getting a lot of matches because that was my complaint with darby as champion was he barely defended and now he's making up for that in the in the weeks in, in, in the last few weeks then after the match we see uh, ethan page and scorpio sky coming to the ring and attack both darby and jungle boy and then we see lance archer come out which i thought he'd be on the program sometime he came out and Gets in the ring and is fighting them off. Then Steam comes out with a baseball bat. Ethan Page and Scorpio scram. And then we kind of go off the air real quick. And I just was left to try to comprehend what just happened. You and me both. <laughs> well, you've, you've had uh, almost 24 hours to think about it. What what have you come up with? I didn't come up with anything. It, it, <laughs> it, it still doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand the Luchasaurus Sting thing. I I This is like three weeks in a row where sting gets fought to the back and then just casually walks out at the end of the match. Like nothing ever happened to him. And I get, I mean, heck I'm wearing a sting shirt tonight. I'm a big sting fan. You know, I like the icon, um, vigilante, whatever you want to call them. But you know, everybody gets so scared of a 62 year old man with a baseball bat. Yeah. It just kind of makes me laugh. I get it. I get it. I'm looking too much into his pro wrestling. But also, I want to know what's this Lance Archer and Sting thing. Where is this going? Yeah. Because uh, this is two weeks in a row where Archer's come out to save Darby before Sting gets out there. He's kind of proven his worth. feels like this thing. Yeah. But where's it going? I mean, this and we've seen Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. They showed them up in the rafters last week when – Yeah. Um. Or maybe it was two weeks ago when Archer and Sting were having that confrontation with Jake on the stage. So something's brewing there. Are we going to get Scorpio and Ethan Page in a tag match versus Sting and Lance? That's kind of where I think we're going. Is it Sting and Lance or will it be Lance and Darby? Well, if they do it at double or nothing, I think you got to have Darby defend the TNT title. And that's where Miro comes in. Or do you stick with the TNT title only defended on TNT? Which is what I feel like they're trying to go to. Uh, I don't like that with only four pay-per-views. No, no, but, neither do I. Unless, you know, you get that trios belt. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. The TNT title, it's been defended on every pay-per-view, though, since it got been yes. created. It's the only title to be defended on every pay-per-view since its creation. The world title hadn't been? I don't think so. What pay-per-view wasn't it? Because Jericho won it at, at, at All Out 2019. They defended it against Cody at Full Gear. He lost it to Mox at Revolution. Mox defended against Brody Lee at Double or Nothing last year. Mox defended it against MGF at All Out. They defended it against Eddie Kingston at Full Gear. And then... um. Omega defended against Mox at Revolution. So I guess he did. Didn't yeah. He? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably forgot about the Mox and Brody Lee at Double or Nothing because Stadium Stampede was the main event. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where it was. Yeah. I was thinking that was a dynamite. Yeah. It, it all kind of runs together. It does. It does. Everything's it so does. good. But <laughs> it, it'll be interesting. I, you know, I, I've said this before on, on the podcast a few weeks ago. I'm a big Ethan Page fan. The more I watch his vlogs, that dude is so likable outside his heel character. Um, so I would, I'd be all for him in a big match against Sting and uh, Archer. But then I don't know who gets to win because I hate seeing Archer eat losses. 
But Steen doesn't need another win. He's already got a big win in the company. And Scorpio and, and Paige need wins. You can't keep killing these young guys off. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, Man, if that's a match I right now, Austin, I'm already I'm already struggling with my confidence pick right now. And who I'm going to be going? That's what's going to happen. Number nothing. This is going to be a tough card. I have a feeling to predict, which is yeah. which is great. I mean, Our confidence points are going to be squat. Probably. I, think, I mean, you have to use all the numbers, but yeah, you have to. I'd there, much rather strategy, go ones yeah. on everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing we have a little over a month, but yes. Think, and if we get Miro and Kip, then I'm. Oh, that's pulling, yeah. yeah. That'll have yeah. all my confidence points right there for Miro. <laughs> but uh, hopefully next week we start getting some clarity as to what directions we're heading towards double or nothing. So, but yeah, yeah. Um, See, I want to say it's going to start building next week, but then we'll officially see everything uh, on the 12th. I think okay. that's where this is going to go is we'll get through blood and guts mm-hmm. and then everything will really take off. I mean, it's got to, it's got to yep. take off. That'll leave 25 days till the pay-per-view with nothing ready. Yeah. In my opinion. I'm excited. It's fun. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they're doing with a lot of the these little stories that are so random, mm-hmm. like Archer and Sting. What's going on there? You know, why did do they keep attacking Darby to draw Sting out? Yeah, do they attack Darby because they want his title. Do they attack Darby to draw Archer out? I mean, a lot of answer questions. And this week. Last week when Archer came out, he didn't have Jake with him. Jake came out this week. Yep, slowly behind. So, yep. Yeah, very slowly. He keeps behind. coming out of the face tunnel, so I guess he's yeah. face. And I think that's kind of why Jake's kind of fallen back. I mean, Jake's not a face. <laughs> he's never going to be a face. Can't be. No. Fully. And, right. And it you know kind of makes me worry with how slow he is moving his Jake going to kind of start fading out. And that's why Archer's doing this sting thing. I mean, there's so many unanswered questions that I just, I I need answers to. That's why they keep us watching every week. (laughs) Yes. Intriguing storylines and angles. Yeah. Yeah. Overall letter grade for last night. B. Uh, There were just, there's so many whys around it. Um, the matches were really good, but you know, you had the Will Hobbs Christian Cage didn't really do anything for me. Um, you know, there were about three matches I was intrigued in, and that was Hangman, the women's title, and the main event. I'm gonna go B minus. Um, okay. Yeah, the Christian match, and I like Christian, and I, th- and I think Powerhouse Hobbs is gonna be a star, but it didn't do much for me either. Um, I really enjoyed the main event. Building QT didn't do much for me. I yeah. like the post-match stuff better. Um, Women's Championship was good. Um, Penta and Trent was fine. Um, it's kind of most intriguing one as far as predictions go. Ricky and, and Adam was a fine match to start off with. I was just kind of distracted by Ricky's uh, big bumpy tuck. Just yeah. wanted, wanted him to be okay. Uh, I thought the Pinnacles promo was real good. I Inner Circle one I chuckled at, but I didn't think it was that great. I didn't think it was one of their stronger no. ones. No. Um, so yeah, just some just some sloppiness here and there. But um, 
still a, still an enjoyable show overall, but uh, B minus in a terrible grade. But it's no. it wasn't as good as the last few weeks had been. I'm just kind of a few things just missing for some reason. I completely agree with you on that. And next week's card looks to it looks to be a similar show to me. I mean, yeah, um, at least from a card standpoint, Some good matches, but nothing that's absolutely going to blow me away on paper. But they're building for May fifth to try to blow everybody away. So, yep. I and I think there's still be some surprises next week. You know, maybe Cody does return. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's going to be something big happening in that six man. It's mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, the a factory win. So. Right. No six man has just been a six man tag match. No, something big happens every time. Yep. Wrestler of the week, and I'll let you go first again this week. I know you let me go first okay. last week, and I appreciated that, but I'll let you go first. I'm not going off the wall this week. Okay. I'm going with Darby. Okay. Because he is the first person to get out of the snare trap from Jungle Boy. Hmm. Interesting. He's a he's a fighting champion. He's I mean, whoever takes the belt off him is gonna have to, you know, really put, put him, him down. That's bag. why that's why I think Mero's the Right person. They're starting to really build him like they should have when yes. he first came in. And I think everybody's yes. behind that. So, yeah. Um, tough pick. Tough pick. Um, I was thinking about going Sheeta. I'm gonna I go almost Pinta. did. I'm going to go Penta. Looks okay. Like he got a big win for himself. Um, now he's in a big match with Orange Cassie next week. Starting to see a, a lot of Penta and singles action. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd the other two go? <laughs> yeah, they were off. They've yeah, we haven't seen them uh, since last they well, were, last week. They lost to the Bucks. So. They were on Dark though. Yeah, and then not on Dynamite. That was but weird to me. I like how they're using the Lucha Bros differently, not always teaming mm-hmm. together. Because yeah. I mean, I think it was on this day three years ago, Pentagon, as he was known then, became the Impact right. World Champion. So hmm. he's been in the big scene and singles before. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, and shout out to Chuck. It's his birthday. Second, yes, Chuck T. T. Happy birthday. I don't know how old he turned today. Uh, I didn't look it up. But um, shout out to him. And shout out to Miro for buying the whole locker room. Yes. Pretty advanced private tickets screening. to uh, private screening. Thank you to uh, Mortal Kombat. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah. gesture. And on this day, two years ago, Leva Bates signed as the librarian on BTE. And... Peter signed, was it two years? It would have been two years ago also. Yeah, because yep. yeah, they signed at the same time because it was a fun storyline on BTE. Yeah, so we're, we're getting a lot of those memories to pop up. So Yeah, it's nice to see. A lot, of, a lot, a lot really. of good things happening around the All Elite Wrestling world. And one, mm-hmm. one more tidbit I want to put out there before we go off there. I was listening to a Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez today. It's always from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. On I listen on TuneIn Radio. You can find it on Twitch, a lot of other places. Don Callis was a guest today. and Ooh. Callis is interesting when he's in an interview because he stays in character the whole time. Oh, absolutely. He I had a chuckle because he, he annoyed the crap on me when I was listening. He said the Elite is bigger than the NWO were because he said uh, Hall and Nash have nothing on the Unboxed, which I, I do think the Unboxed are better than Hall and Nash as a team. Yes. But he also said Omega was way is way better than Hogan, and it's not um, apples Ooh. to oranges or anything. I'm like, Omega's a better Ooh. wrestler than Hogan, but come on now, Callis, like you can't because he, he's saying the elite's the most 
biggest dominant faction in the last 30 years. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I got to argue with that one. Uh, I mean, I love the elite, but no. And, and they you, asked you know. him when he, when he, before he left about if we're going to see any more additions or surprises. Mm-hmm. And without giving him anything away, he pretty much said there's going to be additions to the group coming. I figured this so is I, the American version of the Bullet Club. Yep. I, Start out small and just expand until you're like 20 members. You know, I think if things are starting to open up again with international travel, um, I think it'd be somebody from Japan. You know, I got to mention, um, I saw this story. I don't think anything's going to come of it. This is me being a mark. I don't do this very often. There's a certain champion who uh, at one point thought of going to WWE and decided not to, and he's done very well for himself since then. Uh, Will Ospreay, Ospreay, however you pronounce it. yeah. Yeah. Um, he was asked who he'd like to wrestle, and he mentioned someone who had mentioned that he would like to take him on, CM Punk. Mm-hmm. CM Punk was asked this, and he said, ask me at the end of the summer if he's mm-hmm. still champion. End of the summer, AEW has a pay-per-view in Chicago. At least every other, well. Well, previously. Yeah, I I would (laughs) guess if if they can travel, I'm guessing they'd still have a Chicago, not a destination. Right. I mean, their faces are on the building. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be something. That would get the whole wrestling world talking. When it comes to punk, I'll see it when I believe it. That's where I stand anymore. Yeah, because just last week he said, well, pro wrestling industry doesn't need punk anymore. He he knows how to stir the pot. Um, Mm -hmm. If the money's right, the guy's going to come back for a one-off or maybe a short story. But we'll see. I would love to see. I'd love to see Osprey against Omega. I mean, Omega, if he's going to be the belt collector, um, I thought it'd be be, um, Omega versus Ibushi. But Osprey took the title off him. Osprey's one of the most talented guys in the world. I'd love to see that. So that might make some sense. Um, another guy, I'm not saying he joined the elite, <laughs> but, um, Daniel Bryan's contract runs up in September. Yeah. yeah. And he said, he's starting to think what he wants to do next. If he even wants to wrestle anymore. Cause he said he felt kind of out of sorts at WrestleMania. Um, yeah. but again, I don't think that was a match to have him in, in my opinion. Eh, it wasn't. They didn't know what else to do with him. And, mm. Yeah. They wanted to have him have at least one more mania moment because they know his yep. contract's ending, and he's already mentioned he's probably not going to re-sign it. And I don't think so. Vince liked the way Edge had been looking lately. So Mm-mm. No. Edge. Uh, we'll see. If he mm. wants to wrestle, I could see him. Coming somewhere where you know you only wrestle once a week and you're not on the road a ton and you have creative freedom, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Or even you know, not even every week. Mm-hmm. There's nothing yeah. that says yeah. you have to be here every no. Wednesday. No. So no, that's no. why Brody signed before he passed because he wasn't required to be there every week if he didn't want to be. Yep. Now, a lot of, of creative was, freedom, but yeah. A lot of creative freedom, but, you know, like we mentioned earlier, there's just so many options. You got ROH, you got Impact, even though 
I spoke my mind about Impact and AEW mm-hmm. earlier. I don't um, now MLW with Vice. I mean, Vice does a great job with Dark Side of the Ring. That's a that's a pretty big deal, I think. In Vice, mm-hmm. it was reported New Japan turned them down last year for a TV contract. Really? Hmm. Hmm. And now wow. New Japan's got that Roku deal, but I don't know if they were trying to get bigger and it didn't happen because of the pandemic or what. But yeah, um, well, yeah. Best of luck to MLW. They've got yeah. a great channel behind them or great network behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, best. They of got luck some good them. talent. They got some fun yeah. talent there. I haven't watched a ton of their stuff, but now that it's going to be on Vice, I might have to check it out. Yeah. I don't know I what night it, it, it might write. It might run on Wednesdays. Hmm. I don't know. Though. Mm. That's just, I'm speculating. That would make sense. Mm. That would make yeah. sense if it does. Yeah. So I saw something this week and I want to get your input on it before we get off of here. Okay. Um, there was somebody who said, you know, AW and Tony Khan has been talking about this one hour show. Mm-hmm. Are they going to make dynamite three hours? I, I don't see it. Okay. I would hate it if they do. I don't, I don't want to see that either, but somebody said, you know, let it keep building, get that three hours, take it to Monday night. And I went, oh, God, please don't. <laughs> I would be shocked if that happens. I mean, I think we're going to see the ratings get close to Monday Night Raw ratings soon. Raw is yeah. just dumpster. It's it's too bad because that's still, you ask a stranger on the street who might not even watch pro wrestling, they've heard of Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. They might not heard of SmackDown, but they've heard of Raw, and it's just trash anymore. It's, it's the worst of the worst. It's awful. Um, at yeah. least SmackDown's bearable on Fox, but Raw's just trash. Mm-hmm. But um, I think or, making Dynamite three hours would be a huge mistake. I mean, Raw, that's one reason it's unwatchable. It's three hours, and then they have to put crap on there just to fill out the time slot. And you've got pay-per-views that are just as long as Raw. So I Yes. Mean. I will <laughs> say that's one thing since the pandemic started, they've got better at the WWE's got better at shortening their pay-per-views. Yes. I know that's one criticism AEW gets sometimes, but I'm like, guys, we only have four of these a year. Yeah. And we're paying 50 bucks. I'm like, you know, 499 or 999, whatever. Don't even get me started about Peacock, whatever Peacock charge. Cause I think they've ruined the network right now. So, Right. And I mean, okay, so let's take it back to the WWE network before Peacock. Yeah. It was 10 bucks a month. So you're paying 120 bucks a year for that. Absolutely spoiled. Absolutely spoiled. You know? And then, yeah. And so you got 12 pay per views, 12 mm-hmm. ish for mm-hmm. 120 bucks. It's only $200. Yeah. For AEW. So you're only spending 80 bucks more. Yeah. I mean, but you only get four of them. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's that's but, that's what they, that's what they say, but it's it's cuz the network really they should have charged them more to begin with than mm-hmm. they did. It made everybody spoiled and everybody wants that now. Um yeah. but I think that's the reason why AW I've seen speculation why they're filming so much content, so many matches on dark and even elevation and all this is because they want to build up a library so they can have their own streaming service or channel or have somebody inquire like a HBO or something for that streaming library in, in the future. Right. So smart planning. Right. Yeah. And you know, they do well at uh, partnering, you know, with state farm with mm-hmm. uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised with Miro buying the private screening to mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Something comes up in the next month or two that'll be sponsored by Mortal Kombat. Yeah, even today there was a uh, tweet that had MGF as a Mortal Kombat figure character, and then he, 
he ripped it saying that guy's not ripped enough to be me. And the guy was jacked and swollen. It was pretty funny. Then Ethan Page said, man, I'm so jealous of you. You don't even like Mortal Kombat and you're getting this stuff made for you. And he, I was like, that's pretty good. So, Yeah. 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 You're we'll right. see what happens. Yep. Any, uh, any closing thoughts before you wrap it up for us? Uh, looking forward to uh, blood and guts. I'm looking forward to see the build next week. I want to know um, the rules. Is yeah. it going to be a typical war game style rules or is there going to be some different rules? I, I want to know. Yeah, that's what I want to know. I mean, I'm interested to see. I think next week we'll get, we have to get the clarity for sure as to whether or not this is going to be the only thing that takes place on the fifth. That's going to close the show next week, right? The parlay. It's got to. I think so too. It's either going to open or close. And I've got a feeling it close over open. Yep. Yep. So. All right, Paul, wrap us up. All right. All right. That's going to do it for us. For Tanner Lee, I'm Paul Zartman. Join us again next week as we kick out yet another podcast. <laughs>